Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Available in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code FINADICS when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast for your last place, Miami Dolphins 0-2. I am Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. Of course, I'm talking about none other than the Dr. Christopher Colin. Chris, how in the hell are you, my friend? Well, I'm, uh, oh, hey, look at that guy. <laughs> the handsome man, hide yeah, behind two, all that stuff. Two-time Hall of Famer. I got the uh, very new helmet, game-worn supposedly, too. Um, and, uh, of course, Intercontinental Champion. So, uh, yeah, you're dealing with the best, buddy. How's it going? It's going all right. I do have a question about game-worn stuff because technically if I were to wear that helmet during the game, even though I'm watching the game, it would be game-worn. So who actually wore that helmet? Probably someone like Daryl Gardner. I don't know. It's got a big face <laughs> mask on it, and there's not a ton of damage, so they didn't play a lot. <laughs> so, oh, it's 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 very awesome that you're able to get the uh, Tim Bowens sophomore season uh, uh, helmet there. Shout out to Tim Bowens, one of my favorite Jimmy Johnson era Dolphins. Uh, here we are. We are. If you're watching us right now, as part of the Fanatics Network, we are a part of the Fanatics Network. Welcome to Perfect Bill. You can also listen to us on all the podcasts apps that you were listening to us before but uh, we are uh, smack dab in the middle of the season now we're heading into week three we're going to talk about the stash versus the beard the old man versus the young man ryan fitzpatrick versus gardner Minshew. the miami dolphins also play the rest of the jacksonville jaguars we're going to talk a little bit about that we're going to bring back one of your favorites and of course that is misery loves company but before we do any of that chris we do have to i don't want to but we have to Talk about what in the hell happened week two against the Buffalo Bills. The Miami Dolphins lose again, this time losing in a different fashion. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Buffalo Bills beating the Miami Dolphins in our home opener? Uh, same. It was pathetic. It was embarrassing. It was sad. Uh, there's technical difficulties. There was uh, te- on both the CBS footage and our gameplay. Our game plan for the second week in a row has looked complete garbage. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, the funny thing is we spoke last week about how nice it is that, uh, yeah, we did bad against a run with Cam Newton, but at least we're number one in the past defense. Yay. And then we came out here and made Josh Allen look like John Elway and Dan Marino had a sexy quarterback, baby. Uh, he was unbelievable. He's like breaking tackles head on against Ogba, gigantic men like him and Van Noy. And uh, it was just bad all around. And, and the funny thing is, Sam, is that it wasn't, that far off of a game. I can't believe we only lost 31-28. It seemed like we should have lost by 50 points. Yeah, it did seem like we were completely overpowered and outmatched in that game the entire time. But the final score set a different story. It was 31-28. And quite frankly, had Preston Williams not dropped that gift on fourth and goal, 
we probably win that game if we are able to get our hands on just a couple of those bad Josh Allen passes that we dropped, one of which looked like it was going to go for a pick six. We probably win that game, and we win it in a fashion where people are going, all right, this is the Miami Dolphins team that we thought we were getting. We just beat the AFC East favorites, the Buffalo Bills, but it didn't happen, and you're right. We lost through the air, which is how you want to lose if you're going to lose to Josh Allen, but here's the thing. He threw for over 400 yards, Chris, but a lot of those yards were completely on the wide receiver. Those balls that he were throwing, he was spraying like he was a teenager out there. He could not aim. He could not hit the toilet. Josh Allen was throwing balls all over the place, and his wide receivers, credit to them, they went out and got the ball. Unfortunately, they got it just about every single time. So when you look at the stats, Josh Allen looked like he's a god, like you said, the, the, the love child between John Elway, Joe Montana, and Dan Marino. Um, and he goes for over 400 yards. And not only do we have bad run defense, but we now have bad pass defense. We're now 0-2 in our own division. We're coming into a short week against Jacksonville Jaguars and an all of a sudden looking good Gardner Minshew with that whole team. Um, kind of worst case scenario to open this season if you're a Miami Dolphin, is it not? Oh, absolutely. Of course it is. It's uh, not where you want to be uh, record-wise, of course. Uh, and then just the way things have happened, uh, it doesn't look promising. It's not like we've lost shootouts where we've been like this great team and it just was one one inch or one drop away or something like that. Like they just manhandled us. We couldn't get off the field. We couldn't stop Josh Allen. Um, and and it, a lot of it is Byron Jones getting hurt. I don't think that yeah. helped at all, obviously. Um, but the defense, again, looks suspect. And this is Brian Flores, man. This is his team. This is uh, what he's known for in New England when he got the job here. And we brought in a ton of stud, or we thought were stud, free agents and trades uh, for that side of the ball. And honestly, um, offense is the only reason why I'm not in suicide watch right now because they actually looked semi-competent in most of the game, uh, but the defense just looked JV again. Yeah, it wasn't all bad. We do have some good things that happened in this game. Mike Kosicki comes to mind uh, for one. Isaiah Ford with a surprising performance, number two. Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't as bad in week two as he was week one. In fact, he was actually pretty darn good. The offensive line actually looked pretty darn good as well. So there are some positives primarily on the offensive side of the ball. But before we get to those positives, we do need to talk a little bit about these negatives because you're right, Byron Jones going out really affected this game plan. In fact, I would say that injury was significant enough that it probably changed the outcome of this game because what ended up happening is our, our talented rookie, Noah Tungavailoa, I believe is his last name, uh, <laughs> he ends up getting picked on. He's on Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs has got Thanks. a rookie lined up against him, uh, and Josh Allen didn't need to throw the ball directly to Stefan Diggs. He could just throw it anywhere around him because Noah was turned around upside down. It was just, The game was just too much for him uh, to go up against Stefan Diggs in your second-ever game in the NFL. Uh, I think if Byron Jones is in that game, Stefan Diggs is not being covered by a rookie. Stefan Diggs is probably bracketed by more than one or just closed down by, you know, Byron Jones Island there so I, I think that injury did hurt us quite a bit uh, something that I saw Kevin Dern brought up Vince Beagle's injury before this season seems to come back to haunt us because now our defensive front seven uh, they don't have the rotation that they would normally have they have to play more and they're getting tired and they're worn down late remember the Miami Dolphins had the lead late or at least were really close and what happened they got worn down Josh Allen led a drive early in the game that went 98 yards I mean that, that just doesn't happen to good defenses good defenses go three and out at worst and get the ball back midfield for their offense. We let them drive all the way down the field early in the game, and they came back later in the game and just put that game out of reach, quite frankly, after we'd already taken the lead. Uh, so it was demoralizing from the defensive standpoint. But offensively, Chris, well, let's stop there. Any other thoughts on defense before we move on? Because I think if we talk about this too long, you and I are going to hang ourselves in this town square here of Perfectville. 
Yeah, I'll cut it short just because uh, for the sake of just like you said, not wanting to vomit now that we're video recording our podcast. But um, I, I got to just go back to that whole thing with with the the rookie on Stefan Diggs. How do you let that happen? Mm. I mean, how do you let that happen more than a drive? Okay, it happens once. He gets beat on a crossing route. Uh, that's it. Move Xavier Howard over there. That's why he's getting paid. That's why uh, he, he's he's the man. He is on the top of that list of the three guys that Jalen Ramsey. Byron Jones now hurt, and then Xavier Howard. So you move him on their best guy. If you lose to, to, to Noah covering uh, Brown or their second or third receiver, you live with that. But you don't lose with your rookie with no training camp and no preseason covering Stefan fucking Diggs, who they traded a first-round pick for, uh, b- because you refuse to uh, change it up. Like, you're too proud. Like, I, I know Xavier Howard came out afterwards, and he mentioned that uh, that was the game plan, and I don't know if that was a shot at coaching. But if I'm Xavier Howard, I come off the field when I'm after one or two drives, and I'm like, put me on him. Yeah. Put me on the best right now. I want to cover him. And maybe he did and we didn't catch it. But I just think that was just awful coaching at that point. I can't stand coaching staffs that four square uh, pegs into circle holes to fit their scheme or fit their game plan because that's the way it is. And I said so. Like, no, it, just because that's your game plan going in doesn't mean you can't progress and you can't change. And they refuse to do that. No, and look, the, the score was closer than I think the game should have been, which I think is now the second week in a row that I've said that. If you just watch the game, you go, wow, the Buffalo Bills are going to win this game handedly. And at the end of the game, we actually had a chance, so to speak, of winning this game. But you're right. You don't lose to Stephon Diggs. You lose to Cole Beasley. You lose to you know Malcolm Brown or whoever that guy is. You don't lose to <laughs> Stephon Diggs because at that point, are you already on your second beer there, Chris? Did you just switch from one beer to the second beer? Oh, uh, yeah. Now that you mention it, thanks. Uh, I'll – awkwardly open it so i'm not interrupting anything wow well no that's the power of video normally chris and i actually don't see each other during the middle of this uh but i'm just watching you do the transfer there when you weren't speaking and uh once you know it you're on your second beer different type of beer same beer but different beer can right thanks for noticing yeah it was a can and that was a throwaway from yesterday uh i don't let things go to waste and now i'm moving on to the old bullets well, there you go. He's on to the silver bullets, ladies and gentlemen. He's drinking Coors Light. You know what? I'm actually drinking Coors Light as well. We're not endorsed by Coors Light, but we're just very, very broke. So that's all we can really <laughs> afford at this point. We're one bad paycheck away, Chris, from having to go to old Milwaukee. This is like the Brock Lesnar thing at the end of UFC when he's like refused to sponsor one or the other. And he said, fuck you, pay me. I'm going home and drinking a Coors Light. And it was like sponsored by Bud Light. That was it amazing. Was. Yeah, he got a talking to from Dana White <laughs> after that one. That's that's one hundred percent correct. I, uh, I, you know, speaking of good things like beer, there were some good things that happened in this game, and we should celebrate those. I, I already mentioned one of them, Mike Gesicki. I think he had uh, thirteen hundred catches, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. in that game. Every single one of them moved the chains, or or was a score for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I think he set a record for the most yards in a game by a tight end, which is actually kind of sad because it's 130. It feels like every other team has had that happen. <laughs> but uh, congratulations to Mike Kosicki. I mean, he is a bona fide weapon. I think he's a guy, especially now um, uh, that we've seen him on tape, and he continues to perform over and over and over again, that Ryan Fitzpatrick and eventually, eventually Tua is going to look for and target a lot. And it's been a very, very long time since the Miami Dolphins have had that type of threat at the tight end position. This is a very, very good thing long-term, Chris, for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, you stole my thunder a little bit. Uh, I was I was going to say uh, we liked it, the fans liked it, uh, uh, the, our, our friends at Fanatics Network liked it. 
But the guy that liked it the most is Tua Tungavailoa. He's on the sideline licking his chops. He has this guy that's gigantic with a huge wingspan that uh, more often than not, especially if paired with uh, Parker and Williams for the next few uh, few years, will be covered by a much shorter, more likely safety or a slot corner or linebacker. So the, the, it just the fact that he was able to stand out and be so good is uh impressive and it was fun that was so fun to watch him just light it up i feel like he deserves it i feel like you probably agree with that he's been misused or mismanaged early in his career even when gase was his coach and he kind of showed out a little bit against the jets the first year of gase uh well last year against gase and um got up and was all pumped and you know doing the first down and everything because he feels like he wasn't used properly you got this huge weapon that's fast, that's big, that's gigantic, and uh, has a huge wingspan and can fucking catch, man, his hands are like glue. Uh, that touchdown was uh, pure beauty, but, God, that crossing run, oh, yeah. one-hand catch was just uh, so far probably one of the catches of the year early in the season. And uh, Fitzpatrick and him have a great chemistry, and I know right now Tua's sitting there and he's like, if I was able to throw to him all training camp, I might be the goddamn starter. He doesn't drop anything. No, I mean, that that was – he had some stick on his gloves. It looks like he borrowed Aronde Gadsden's gloves for that mm. catch. I mean, that's what it reminded me of, Chris, was that Aronde Gadsden catch, except for Aronde Gadsden had to extend out in front of him to get that ball from Jay Fiedler against the Jets. This one was behind Mike Gesicki, and he just reached back with one hand, grabbed that, and brought it in. It was unbelievable. I agree with you. Catch of the year so far. The season's only two weeks old, but that is the best catch I've seen in the NFL bar none. I challenge anybody to show me a better catch throughout the first two weeks. The only one that might be was the touchdown pass that Stephon Diggs had in that game against <laughs> against us, but I don't even think it touches the level of skill, commitment, and just excellence that Mike Kosicki had in that catch. He is going to be a force. He's already my starting tight end in all my fantasy football leagues where I've had him as on my bench. I've already moved him back up into the, uh, the starter position here, and I'm glad I did because I think he's going to get me a lot of points for a lot of weeks and a lot of years in my dynasty league. So Mike Kosicki, my hat's off to you. Uh, we also had Isaiah Ford. I, I think Isaiah Ford is somebody who's going to thrive in this Chan Gailey offense. I think much more so than somebody like Jakeem Grant uh, or maybe even Preston Williams, quite frankly. I mean, Preston Williams, other than getting the two-point conversion, uh, really has not had a very good couple of weeks here to start the season. Maybe seeing some residual effects from his knee. I'm not sure. But Isaiah Ford, keep an eye out for him, Chris. I think Isaiah Ford, by the end of the season, is going to be a guy that we look back off and go, wow, I'm glad we've had him on our team for a couple of years. This is the type of guy that Chan Gailey is going to make make a very quality receiver in this offense. Uh, Isaiah Ford is uh, fantastic. And our, our buddy, we, we know him from our time on the message boards, uh, Jason uh, Jennings. He's a huge Virginia Tech fan. And he was talk, talking my ear off about this guy uh, when we first got him and talking about how he's just a, a vet, a pro, uh, all ACC, everything, catches everything, and he runs great routes. And we saw that when he got that first down on third and short. When he did, a, he went in motion and did a quick, like, arrow route into the flat. And he had great body control, knew where the sticks were on the field, great awareness, and he was able to jump and dive forward over, you know, multiple tacklers. Um, but real quick, I want to throw a little bit of respect back to Preston Williams because I think everybody forgets especially because it just went to technical difficulties after that and they challenged it and it stood that catch he had right towards the end zone, right before okay. everything with the shit was unbelievable. Fair enough. That was a fucking incredible catch. Great throw by Fitzpatrick. What a catch for him to drag his feet. Um, I thought they're going to overturn it because the ball kind of popped out after he hit the ground, but he did go out of bounds first technically stopping the play. Um, unbelievable catch. Yes. He hasn't been, um, 
a hundred percent what we expected, but he is coming off of a devastating injury with no preseason, not a huge normal training camp. So I'm willing to wait a couple of weeks for this guy, but that catch was flashes of last year. I'm not. I'm going to throw him to the wolves right now. You, you hate are our receivers. You, you are soft them. as shit, Preston Williams. Devontae Parker, get off the soft bench. You're hard as hell. Preston Williams, you're back on that soft couch. Wait, uh, you say Parker's hard as hell? Parker, (laughs) Devontae Parker, hard as hell, man. He uh, and that's no blue chew ad, ladies and gentlemen. I I wish I was like Joe Rogan. I can be like, hey, Jamie, uh, yeah, put that put that in the uh, in the old box. We're gonna bring that out later. Record that now. Cut it. Funny thing about that catch, Chris, is if that was in the end zone, that actually would have been waved off because he didn't complete the process of a catch in terms of holding onto that ball for the rest of his life. But since he went out of bounds and. Instead of into the end zone, it's considered a catch because the play is dead as soon as he goes out of bounds. So you're absolutely right. It's a weird, quirky rule, the Megatron rule, if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Stan, I, he, before, we, before we move on, can I um, can I mention something? Because I'm going to take advantage of this right now. We're on video. What uh, if I said no? Week. What if I said no? You couldn't mention anything. Chris. Pushing through it, pushing okay. through it, like Solomon Kinley. I'm just going to just drive you five yards back into the ground. Don't like care. It. All right. Then, um, based on that reference, yes, you can you can mention thank anything you. you want. Thank you, Judge, Jerry, and Executioner. So I got to mention, we're on camera because this is going to happen now. This is going to be on Reddit. This is going to be on Twitter. And I can't wait for it. I live for it. This is actually really fun that we're doing this. I, I love this element of the show. I was telling you beforehand, it's like getting new cleats uh, when you're a kid playing baseball. You're like, I'm going to steal every bag. I, I, I got swag now. So we're on video. I've got the new arm and the setup. Like, I feel good. Um, Sam, I got to ask you, hmm. the mustache, that oh. is fucking sweet what's going on we're on camera now you cannot hide these things um tell me tell me please about the porn stash and it has to be relevant to what's going on tomorrow night well if you do look at my beautiful sweet stash right now you will see <laughs> oh i could have sound. went without the tongue and the and sound the and the sound effects that are Oof. going in there so the people that are just listening to this that are just getting the auditory experience or just hearing that wet tongue roll over my sexy mustache here. Whereas the people that are watching us on video, on YouTube, Twitter, whatever it happens to be, you're seeing the tongue ripple over every single individual hair on my lip, on the sides of my mouth. It is a sexy Minshew mustache mania. I got caught up, man. I, look, we're going to talk about Jacksonville Jaguars. We're going to talk about the Miami Dolphins. We're a Miami Dolphins podcast. I've had a beard for a long time for Fitzpatrick, but look, we're playing Gardner Minshew. We're playing Minshew mania. Mustachio, the mustachioed quarterback, man. I love everything about Gardner Minshew. We're going to talk about Gardner Minshew on the second half of the show here. But uh, yes, you are correct, Chris. I do have a beautiful, sexy stash. And yes, it does relate and pertain to Thursday night's game against those Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll talk a little bit more about my beautiful facial hair uh, brought to you by Manscaped. Hey, just a little bit later there, Chris. Speaking of that, I just got my Manscaped stuff. It was unbelievable how much is in that box. And uh, Well, you're a hairy guy. They had to send you two. <laughs> super hairy. Super hairy. <laughs> my wife already called dibs on the uh, the shirt, and then we looked over the uh, ball preser- preserver, I think it was, and then there was another. There's like a spray that de- like deodorizes. It's almost like, you know, it's been a long day. You, can't, you couldn't hop in a shower, but you got a date. You got to just kind of, you know sweeten them up a little bit that's fantastic we're gonna frame the uh, newspaper that came with it and yes uh folks that's us uh big wigs now and the fanatics network talking about our gifts from our sponsors and you plebeians listen on but uh yeah sam i'm excited about your mustache and talking about it that's an epic radio tease my friend radio tease indeed so uh segment three as they say will be mm-hmm. the jacksonville jaguars miami dolphins game preview with 
your very own Sam Marcoux mustachioed version. That's coming up later, but we are wrapping it up, putting a pin in week two. Let's never talk about week two of the 2020 season ever again, much like week one here, Chris. But one last question before we move on, because I asked this after week one and you said, yes, it would have made a difference. I want to know from you right now, should have had Tua started this game instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick, would the Miami Dolphins won this game or not? No. No, this wasn't. Tua doesn't play defensive back. Uh, Tua doesn't play safety. Where Bobby McCain's burned. Um, uh, our buddy Kevin Dern tweeted today um, that he watched the All Twenty Two tape and the uh, the eyesight and the vision from Baker, who doesn't get enough flack for his bad plays out of the last two weeks. By the way, uh, well, Baker and McCain has just been dreadful, and he doesn't know how, how or if that can be changed uh, or fixed. So. No, Tua doesn't play defense. He doesn't play defensive back. Um, he's not Miles Gaskins. I, I don't know if that makes it much of a difference because Fitzpatrick looked pretty pretty good. You put 28 points up on the Buffalo defense, you think you're, you, you got a shot. Yeah, we're going to talk about fantasy football later and how I'm getting robbed in the okayest fantasy league ever. But uh, I did want to say, speaking of Miles Gaskins, the best fantasy football team I have seen so far this year, Chris, is somebody put that bitch Miles Gaskins. Which, oh, uh, no, a, that's amazing. That is an amazing <laughs> reference to the Tiger King and that bitch Carol Baskin. But somebody out there has that bitch Miles Gaskin. And uh, I about fell on the floor laughing there, Chris. I, whoever that was, I don't know who it is. I don't want to be accused of stealing it. It was not my original idea. It was not. I wish it was. But uh, that is an, uh, an amazing, amazing Deep cut, by the way, that has to be a Miami Dolphins fan. Nobody knows who Miles Gaskins is other than maybe the Buffalo Bills defense at this point. But uh, that, that is an amazing fantasy football team. Yeah, that's a great name. I thought the Flores Lava was that's good, good, too, which it is. It's good. But that bitch, Miles Gaskins, is fantastic <laughs> because it's both names. Um, he didn't, like, flub anything up. Everybody in this world knew what he meant. Uh, kudos. That is a great name. Kudos to whoever that was. We'll talk a little bit more fantasy football in just a little bit. But, Chris, this is a, I'm bringing this back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk it back, as the kids like to say, to last season. Because last season, there was a lot of misery for the Miami Dolphins. We knew going into the season that it was a rebuilding year. According to some experts, like Steve Young, it was a dangerous year to be a Miami Dolphins player, let alone a Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, but we had a lot of fun with it here on this podcast, Chris, because we weren't alone. Because why? Because misery loves company misery loves company and we had a segment every single week last week when the miami dolphins lost about who was joining us on the couch of despair or the chair of despair as we like to say uh, and we're going to bring that back this week here chris because we yes we're owing to yes we're in last place in the afc east yes we lost to the new england patriots and the buffalo bills two of our hated rivals but we're not alone we're not the only team or only fan base out there that's hurting right now chris because misery loves company so who is joining us this week on misery loves company i'm gonna go ahead and let you start oh thank you for that sam how how quaint how nice of you uh, you're just doing this because we're on video now and you want to look like a nice guy. But um, honestly, I'm going to go with a team, and this is funny. I, I don't think it's going to be anything that you expected me to go with. Um, but I'm going to go with a team that we raked over the coals for a couple trades. Um, and we got some of their draft picks. And they're sitting there with the same record as us with a fucking really daunting schedule. A team that uh, also lost these Buffalo Bills the last time they played them. And I'm talking about, of course, the team that lost DeAndre Hopkins. The team whose first round pick we have, ah. Houston 
Texans. Yes, we have their first round pick, our first round pick. And as of now, we have two picks in the top probably three or five. Um, the, the draft started tomorrow. So, Sam, it's one of those like the gift from um, Curb Your Enthusiasm where he's like, like, am I mad? Am I happy? Because we knew we weren't winning a Super Bowl this year. So if we got ours and the Texans first round pick and we're both losing, fuck it. Let's just drink till it doesn't feel bad anymore. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations to the Houston Texans for giving our former left tackle the most money of any left tackle of all time, only to see him replaced in Miami by a rookie on a rookie contract who's doing just as well as Laramie Dunzel. And oh, by the way, you gave us three draft picks for that, including one this year that's going to look like maybe a top 10 pick. So if we don't have a top 10 pick because we're the Miami Dolphins, we'll have a top 10 pick because they're the Houston Texans. So thank you very much. The gift that keeps on giving, just like herpes, Bill O'Brien keeps popping back up right in the crotchal area of all Houston Texans fans everywhere. Great pick for Misery Loves Company there, Chris. Houston Texans, Miami Dolphins sitting side by side on that soft-ass couch next to Preston Williams. I'm going to go next, and I'm going to be- <laughs> I'm going to pick uh, a, a team that we know near and dear to our hearts, a team that has leadership, quote-unquote, that we know near and dear to our hearts, a team that's looking up the asshole of not only the New England Patriots, but also the Buffalo Bills, and quite frankly, the Miami Dolphins. Of course, I'm talking about the New York Jets. Uh, Adam Gase has somehow made the New York Jets even worse. I didn't even think it was possible after the rich coach I ears, but Adam Gase leaves Miami, goes to New York, takes all of our garbage. Kalen Balazs is on the Jets, mind you, right now, and makes them look not only pedestrian, makes them look like midget pedestrians. I mean, they, they might be the worst team in the league. The only team that might 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 fight them would be the Houston Texans or possibly the New York Giants based on injuries. But the New York Jets, what a garbage shit show. The San Francisco 49ers lost every single starter against the Jets and still lost and still beat the Jets like 31 to 10. Like it wasn't even close. And the San Francisco 49ers were doing nothing but backups. It was ridiculous how bad the Jets are right now. Welcome to misery, New York Jets. Oh, man, God, it, there could not be a better team to add to this list. If we're losing and we're pathetic and we're bad, if the Jets are with us also, then I don't care. Like, that's that's fine because they can't say anything. Their fans can't say anything. And it's so funny, Sam, we called it. Uh, we called that when Adam Gase went over there that that's not the savior you're looking for. Obi-Wan, hey, uh, you're, this is not the coach, the, the, the QB whisperer you're looking for because he's just not that. You've got Sam Darnold. Um, if I'm an offensive coordinator, offensive-minded uh, coach, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I got Sam Darnold. I can do whatever I want with this guy on the field. I am drawing up plays out the yin yang, and then I, I search and I, and I challenge you, Doll fans, and Sam, you the same. Go on Twitter during the Jets uh, football games. Go on Twitter and search Gase. Just search it, and you can see latest and see what people are tweeting. And it looks like we went in a time machine and. We're watching Dolphins Twitter during our games. Yeah. Bubble screens. Why? Third down draw plays on third and two. Why? Running the ball constantly on first and second. Why? I thought this guy was supposed to be a genius. Why? It is the same tweets that we tweeted and our fans tweeted during the Gase era here. And I couldn't be more happy that it's happening, Sam. It's, it's incredible. And it's funny. The national guys are starting to pick up on this. 
Um, I know they talked about like the hot seat and everything in the off season, but it wasn't really drilled down. It's getting drilled down. Like I'm seeing like the former linemen and the former receivers and Ryan Clark's of the world that are tweeting videos. They're like, Sam Darnold doesn't deserve this. Like they're fi- finally like this guy has had enough and he needs to be saved. And it's, uh, it's really funny that, that they are misery for sure. No. And look, I, I saw on ESPN today, I actually put it on our Twitter, which you can find at Perfectville Pond. And uh, it's basically the defensive players questioning the lack of focus for the defensive side of the ball in practice. Echo, echo, I mean, wow, shocking that Adam Gase somehow is being accused of neglecting the defensive side of the ball. Did you not see the Dolphins games that you played against us, New York Jets fans? He was sitting on the bench next to the offensive people, doodling, coloring, doing anything but paying attention to the defensive side of the ball. This is what Adam Gase does. He doesn't care about defense. He doesn't know how to spell it. He thinks it's spelled with a D and a fence. That's how he thinks. That's what he knows about (laughs) defense. And then about offense, he thinks he knows everything. So he's not going to listen to any criticism. He's not going to listen or play to the strengths of his players. It's their fault if they don't do what he wants them to do. This is the Adam Gase experience, New York Jets fans. And I would like to say sorry, but you know what? Sorry, I'm not sorry. I love that you're miserable right now. Welcome to Perfectville. Can you name a uh, another head coach that was similar in this situation where he kept got getting these opportunities and was just not good and was consistently the same, just lackluster coach? Like even someone like Pete Carroll that uh, Dave wants fixed, that. What? Well, he yeah, but see, here's my thing though. He didn't give, get an opportunity after us. Like uh, Pete Carroll did, but he, he was pretty bad with the Patriots. He had he was all right, but he went to college, kind of revamped his game and changed a little bit, and now he's having success in the NFL. I've never seen a coach like Adam Gase fail so miserably um, and fall so hard with a divisional rival and then another team sign him. And they're like, it'll be okay with us, especially in New York with our media market. <laughs> and he is just as bad, if not worse. And he has a quote-unquote better quarterback with Le'Veon fucking Bell. Like, we went to the playoffs with Jay Ajayi's knees and Matt Moore with Adam Gase. So what the hell are the Jets doing? Uh, I'm convinced that uh, we just had some fairy godmother dust that just was sprinkled all over the field that year <laughs> by the name of Cody Parkey because we were going to lose to the Browns until Cody Parkey decided that he would like rather miss three field goals against us and give us a shot to win. We got high from Coke with our offensive line coach before the game. Well, that's what happens uh, when you're Chris Forrester. But uh, speaking of Cody Parkey, little, this is not the misery loves company, but congratulations to him. He's back in the league, Chris, our favorite kicker, your favorite kicker, my favorite kicker, perfect Bill's favorite kicker, Cody Parkey back with the Cleveland Browns. Congratulations, Cody Parkey. All right, now moving on, we have one more spot on the couch here, Chris. We already have the Houston Texans. We've got the New York Jets as well as us, Miami Dolphins. Who is joining? Who's got the last spot, the last cushion here at Misery Loves Company? Oh, oh, Sam, I don't know. I'm on video, so this is really weird, but I think I hurt my neck. Uh, I uh, got really fucking hurt just even thinking about the San Francisco 49ers as a franchise. Um, holy shit. <laughs> they had some bad luck on Sunday. These guys are blaming the turf uh, at MetLife Stadium, by the way, for all these injuries. But we've got Nick Bosa gone. Yep. Two plays later, the same cart, the same cart that took Nick Bosa off. They're like, hey, come come back. We need you again. And it's, uh, you know, Solomon Thomas or whatever the hell his name is. Another defensive player. He's carted off. Um, and, and then they uh, lose gr- gorgeous-ass Garoppolo leaves the game for Nick Mullins, who comes in. And they, like you said, they still won by 30 against the Jets. And they have injury after injury. Richard Sherman's on the IR currently. Most start. 
Yeah, he has like 98 yards rushing, and then he's done. He goes out of the game. Sam, I've never seen such a terrible, horrendous game of injuries. <laughs> like, this is worse than Tannehill coming back with from his knee injury and getting hurt in training camp before the season, and we are all just, like, heartbroken, and we signed Jay Cutler. This is worse than that. This is a team that went to the Super Bowl last year and literally – should and could have won that game against the Chiefs uh, if not for some unlucky breaks. And here they are now, week two. Week two, Sam, not 14, not the playoffs. Week two, and literally like nine of their guys are on IR. It's yeah. horrible. They are more misery than we can ever imagine. Well, then everybody out here is calling them the San Francisco 49 IRs because they everybody's on injured reserve. I mean, I've never seen a team just fall apart like this. Like you said, it's it's like – it's like that scene in Airplane where people's arms are just falling off and when they're trying to pull their sleeves off and their arm just falls off and then their leg falls off. It's just, it's ridiculous how injured they are. Like, I hate the 49ers, I'm not going to lie. And I'm watching this going, I feel kind of bad. And you're right, the same cart has to come out two plays later. It's like Nick is not even off the cart yet. And they're like, hey, we need a cart to come out here and get an injured player. Like, yeah, no, we already got him. Like, no, no, I don't think you understand. The There's another one. one. Uh, yeah, like, the, oh, yeah, one. we got him. Defensive lineman, we got him already. No, 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 no. His neighbor, his neighbor's hurt. He's, he's like gassing up. The, he's like gassing up the cart, and they're like, no, 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 come on, we need you. He's like throw out the gas, uh, gas pump. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Two plays later. And they need like a bunk bed truck of cars <laughs> to come out and pick them all up. Just put the gurneys on a little bunk bed on there and just send them out there. That's yeah, like yeah. Emmett from uh, Lego movies. Like wants to build a couch with like the top and bottom. Like this is their injury cart for the 49ers. Have you seen the meme where they change the logos and the and it's a handicap sim- signal uh, symbol, symbol in the uh, in the logo? It's fantastic. I'll, I'll text it to you or tweet it out if you haven't seen it. It's hilarious. Oh, I've seen it. Trust me. I've sent it to every <laughs> single 49er fan that I've ever met in my entire life. I live out here in 49 country right now uh it used to be like the raider haters right now would be all all over the raiders but the raiders are 2-0 in las vegas the san francisco 49ers are one and one but they also only have one player that's actually active and healthy to play week three. they called both of us to help play tight end next week yeah they called me and it was like hey what are you doing sunday because we know the dolphins are playing thursday uh do you think you could help us out we need they're somebody so bad to- they're so badly injured sam we didn't even mention george kittle <laughs> is hurt and he's like the best tight end in the league that's old news george kittle's been out for at least a week <laughs> we're talking about people like right now now, somebody on the 49ers guaranteed is getting hit by a bus. Like, that's how snake bit they are. <laughs> As we record this, somebody's getting run over just boom, uh, by the BART train going from uh, Oakland Frank to Frank Gore just got hurt because he played for them before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, Joe Montana just cut his finger <laughs> while trying to slice a banana. Like, that's how bad the 49ers are right now. Steve Young just said something stupid because he's concussed 87 million times just because he was a 49er. You and I are going to get injured just because we're saying the name 49ers, so we need to move on. The couch is full. The San Francisco 49ers, the New York Stupid Jets, and the Houston Texans, who are giving us all of their draft picks, all join the Miami Dolphins in Week 2 on the Chair of Despair, Misery Loves Company. This segment is now over. We are moving on, and we're going to go pay some bills here, Chris. We already talked about you just got your Manscaped package. I'm going to get my package Manscaped while we're on break, talking about Manscaped, talking about all our other beautiful, lovely sponsors right here on Welcome to Perfect Bill, part of the Fanatics Network. We'll come back. We're going to talk a little bit Jacksonville. We're going to talk a little bit Miami. We're going to talk a little bit the sweet stash. We're going to talk a little bit fantasy football. we got so much to cover, Chris, in so little time. Let's just go pay some bills. You go take a leak. I'm going to go get another beer myself, and we'll come back and talk uh, some more Miami Dolphins football. What do you think? Sounds great, buddy. Right at this moment, there are men everywhere doing manly things. Beards unkempt, hair run amok. 
leaving them in a state of hair despair. And that's just what we can see. Never mind what's going on downstairs. But it doesn't have to be that way. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and enter our promo code FINSUP to save an instant 20%, get free shipping, and help quell the hair despair in your life. These bearded bros are counting on you. Won't you help them? It's that time, Dolphins, citizens of Perfectville. Winning season returns at my bookie. What is winning season, you ask? Well, winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers around. That's right, cross-sport wagers, citizens. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. That's right, cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code PERFECTVILLE and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. That's right. A design to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code PERFECTVILLE and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at my booking. Ah, and we're back. I uh, hope you guys got yourself a refreshing, nice beverage there. I certainly got me a new one. Chris has got himself one there. And uh, the fun and games are over, Chris. We had some fun and games at Adam Gase's expense, at Houston Texans' expense. Of course, everyone on the 49ers right now that's listening from the hospital, they're watching <laughs> us right now, uh, listening to us, everything you can do here with the Perfect Bill Podcast as part of the Fanatics Network. But it's game time, Chris. We're recording Ooh. this on Wednesday. The Miami Dolphins are playing on Thursday. We're playing at Jacksonville against Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, interstate rivalry, mustache versus the beard, however you want to slice it. Uh, Miami, Florida versus Jacksonville from that other country. Uh, it's going to be a battle. Maybe not one of our regular rivals, but an in-state rival and an AFC versus AFC opponent. And, of course, the Miami Dolphins going into the weekend, if they were to lose and go 0-3, are just going to ruin all of our weekends and do it well before Sunday. Uh, what are your overall take here? Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jaguars. What do we have to do to get off the schneid here, Chris? How does the Miami Dolphins beat the Jacksonville Jaguars Thursday night? Oh, man. So here, here's the thing with them is that we, we got to stop Gardner Minshew. <laughs> and I feel like this is the third game in a row where I'm talking about how we have to stop the quarterback, especially from running and making plays happen outside of the pocket because that's what he does. He does the same thing as uh, he, he, reminds me of, he reminds me of a younger Ryan Fitzpatrick, honestly, when I watch that's him play. That's a good call. Very feisty. His player, his teammates love him around him. He has no business being as good as he is. And uh, here we are with his uh, fucking headband from Karate Kid and um, his mustache from every, you know, Ron Jeremy porno in the 70s. He's out there kicking ass with the weirdest name I've ever heard and is not fake. It's not creative. His dad actually named him that. Um, and you got to stop him. We have to stop him because uh, the, the Jacksonville defense of old is not that great. There's no more Jalen Ramsey. There's no more. Uh, Clayus Campbell there's no more uh, you know that one guy that signed with the other team that has a ridiculous name so um, th there's there's no reason that we can't do some good things on offense with the weapons that we have but man we got to stop Gardner Minshew and we've been in business so far in 2020 of making quarterbacks look great and that started with Cam Newton and last week with Josh Allen 
Hopefully this is not a uh, Godfather 3 situation. Hopefully this is a Goodfellas situation. All new movie, about the same thing, but great. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars remind me a lot of the Miami Dolphins from last year and that they got rid of a lot of talent, a lot of bloated contracts and said, we have to start over. We have some pieces that we're going to build around, but we're going to start over. We're going to get a lot of draft picks. We're going to invest in the future through the draft and uh, just start the fuck over. And they're doing that, yet they won, I believe, week one. They almost won week two. They're kind of that plucky team that's just got enough talent to make you think that they're going to be there all the time. But they also have just enough talent that if you take them for granted, they're going to skull fuck you. And then that's what happens, you know, that's what the Miami Dolphins did last year to the New England Patriots and to the Philadelphia Eagles to a lesser extent. They just, they game planned and they tricked them. They trickified them until they actually got the victory. And I could feel like the Miami Dolphins could end up having that happen. I feel like the Miami Dolphins have more talent than the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they have a better coach. I, I think just about everything checks the box for the Miami Dolphins versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. However, it still doesn't stop the fact that Gardner Minshew's got one of those X factors, much like Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that's a hell of an analogy there. Uh, and they have DJ Chark. They've got these guys that do have some talent that if we don't pay attention to, they're going to end up killing us here, Chris. I could see this one getting out of hand early if we don't come out of the box right away. And one of the things that Brian Flores' teams do not do is come out of the box hot right away. I think the Miami Dolphins have to either put up a big stop early or they have to score very, very early. I haven't looked it up because I'm too lazy and too fat, as you can see on video, to do so. But I have a feeling that the Miami Dolphins, since Brian Flores has become the head coach, has got to be the lowest scoring team or one of the lowest scoring teams in the first quarter. It's not something that we do very well or very often. I think think in this game we have to make that statement we have to score early I don't care how they do it if it's a field goal if it's a defensive touchdown if it's you know Preston Williams getting off the soft ass couch and catching something other than a two-point conversion whatever it turns out to be I think the Miami Dolphins have to score early set the tone and then at that point I think you can have a defense that can maybe play this way a little bit more and play for, with a lead as opposed to from behind where they have to create some turnovers uh, that's how we have to beat them you're right we have to stop Gardner Minshew we have to score early somehow and then uh, rely on the talent that we invested heavily in terms of draft picks, money, and trades uh, to do their job after that. Yeah, I agree with you that we have more talent. The problem is, is that it's not by much, and uh, we're a road Thursday night team, and mm -hmm. that is just something that doesn't bode well for anybody ever. And if you look back at it, Sam, like you said, same thing, lazy as fuck. Uh, did not pull <laughs> up the numbers on this at all, but uh, you can look it up on Twitter. You've got the old Google on your phone, so you can check it out. But we have not been very good on national TV games for a long time when we are the singular focus of the nfl world and the cameras and lights are on we just really suck like we have been bad for a long time um especially when they come in and try to make a story about it and they're like oh they got parker who should have been a pro bowler last year and fitzpatrick's the fitz magic and here we go with this young strong defense with van Noy and these guys it's like man shut up you're talking too good about us there's no way anything good of this is going to happen this is a statement game for jacksonville i listened to these players <clears throat> before the season started and the guys that stuck around that did not get traded, did not get uh, tanked off, for, so to speak, um, are pissed. They want to play. They are just like the God Chows of the world, the Wilkins of the world. Last year, we're in the same situation where everyone's talking about how you're tanking for Lawrence and us with Tua, where they find that disrespectful to their current 
regime and their current players and their current roster. So they want nothing more than to come out on national TV and wipe the fucking floor with an in-state rival. And that's what they're going to come out to do. We're going to have to play defense. We're going to need turnovers and we're going to need to get a freaking pass rush because I haven't seen one yet since COVID happened. So uh, I would love to see a pass rush with one of these guys of, um, you know, Agba um, or, or one of these, can we blitz and get a sack? Like somebody, can we get a turnover? We're going to need it, Sam, because they're going to be pumped up. They're home. They're on national TV and uh, it's going to be a tough game. It is going to be a tough game. I don't expect us to win this game uh, by a lot, if at all. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game because the talent is low on both sides. I think we're an ascending team, whereas they're kind of plateauing and possibly descending down by choice at this point. But you can't discount the fact that it's a short week. You can't discount the fact that I think Byron Jones is, again, not going to play, which means our rookies out there are going to have to step up and, and, and be something more than they were against the Buffalo Bills, at least in the defensive backfield area. Uh, we don't have a lot of pass rush still, so Shaq Lawson, you got to do something. Kyle Van Oy, you got to get in there. Emmanuel Ogba, you got to have something other than an interesting name in order to make the paper here going forward. You have to step up. You have to make something happen. You have to get around those trash bags, offensive linemen that they have, and then get Gardner Minshew and put him to the ground while he still has the ball in his hand. That's what you have to do. You have to create some chaos back there because he doesn't have the fleet of foot of Josh Allen or Cam Newton. He doesn't have that size. I think if you can get some bodies in front of him, tip the ball. I don't care if you don't get the sack, but get in front of him, get your big ass mitts in front of him and tip the ball so that somebody else on defense can maybe grab that ball and create a turnover. You guys have to do something like that uh, in order to help your offense out a little bit. The offense put up 28 points against the Buffalo Bills. The defense gave up 31 against those same Buffalo Bills. We have to do better about allowing teams to score. Uh, even if it's three and out, you have to demoralize them. I'm not sure exactly how to do that, but that's because they're not paying me to be the coach. I'm just saying from the outside looking in, to me, it looks like the defensive line has to step up in order for the Miami Dolphins to win this game. What about on offense, Chris? What does Miami have to do on offense in order to be successful in this game? We got to keep the ball. We got to establish a run. We have to get, uh, whether it's Jordan Howard, Miles Gaskins, or Brita, or the combination of three, we have to get the run game going. Uh, I think that should be a big focus for us. I think I would like to see a lot of screens with our offensive line that we have, a lot of young talent that's, uh, you know, fresh footed and, and got some size to them to get them out in space. Um, and re really start working that we got to keep the ball. We need long drives. We need six, seven, eight minute drives where we're just taking them down the field because look, we're both Florida teams. We're both used to the humidity and the heat, but we're also both teams with human beings on them. So if we can stay on the field for seven to eight minutes and keep their defense on the field, no matter how used to it, they are, you're in that humidity underneath those lights for eight straight minutes of a team just grinding five, seven, nine yards. It's bang, bang, bang it's going to tire you out and it's going to gas you and it's going to keep our defense fresh. So we can finally, hopefully pin our ears back and get some pass rush. And uh, that's number one. Number two, Sam, we, we have to score. We're in the red zone. No more field goals, no more turnovers on downs, no more drop passes uh, on a slant. We need to capitalize on getting on the good side of the field and get the ball in the goddamn end zone. I don't care if it's Gusecki, if it's Parker, if it's Williams, I don't care if it is layered, you get in the goddamn end zone and score touchdowns. That's the way you win this game. Control the clock and score when you can and uh, limit the third and longs. We need, uh, you know, second and five, third and twos to be successful in this game on Thursday.
Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it with establishing the run and, and controlling the ball and controlling the clock. I think Jordan Howard has 13 carries for 11 yards and two touchdowns through two games. I mean, it's, it's a very LeGarrette Blunt type of uh, rush line right there. He's not getting a lot of yards per carry. Miles Gaskin, actually, uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier, that bitch, Miles Gaskin. Uh, he, he's actually been a pretty good running back. I was uh, questioning a little bit why we were using him so much in the Patriots game. And then I saw him again in the Bills game, and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to have to walk this one back. Uh, he's doing okay. So I'm okay with that triumphant. I'm okay with using Matt Breida, Miles Gaskin, and Jordan Howard. But here's the thing. If we're down and it's third and goal and we've tried to run it twice with Jordan Howard and he hasn't gotten in, run it again. And if it doesn't work and you have to go for it on fourth and goal, run it again. You have to establish that run. I mean, it's already been proven that we can't just throw the ball every single time and be successful in this league. We do have to keep them honest, so to speak. So you're right. I think the run game needs to be established, especially uh, when you're coming off of a short week because Jacksonville's coming off of a short week too. And they had a big, tiresome game against the Colts, if I'm not mistaken. Titans. Or Titans, excuse me, with Ryan Tannehill, our old good buddy, with six touchdowns and no interceptions so far through two games. They're going to be tired. They're going to be looking for some sort of redemption. They could make a mistake on defense trying to make something happen. We were talking earlier about Adam Gase and draw plays. I actually think a draw play early in this game could actually be uh, – well-timed because I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to have their ears pinned back and trying to get after the quarterback. If we can hit him with a draw play early with somebody like Miles Gaskin or Matt Breda and go pick up 12, 15 yards. I watched us complete a screen pass last week against the Buffalo Bills, Chris, and it went for like 15, 20 yards. And I turned to my buddy who's also, also a Dolphins fan. And I said, when's the last time that happened? And he said, it hasn't. That's the first time that's ever happened <laughs> in the history of the Miami Dolphins being able to complete a screen pass to a running back who then turns around and goes upfield for 15, 15, 20 yards. So stranger things have happened. Maybe a draw play early in this game is what nets us a huge gain and starts to put them on their peels and go, "Uh Oh, now we have to respect the run game here a little bit. And also you didn't mention his name, but we mentioned him earlier in this podcast, Mike Kosicki all day, yes. every day. He's option number one, not just for tight ends, but for the passing game in general, Devonte Parker still a little bit, you know, banged up from his, uh, his, his hamstring injury. He's going to be out there. He's going to be playing. He's option 1A or 2. Those are your guys. Those are your horses. Those are the two people that we absolutely have to focus on in the passing game in terms of getting them the ball and letting them go out and create some plays after they catch the ball. Yeah, the best part about that is that as a defensive coach, you're coming in, those are the two guys you need to stop. So the best part is is uh, we do like we just talked about with Noah against the Bills, and we said that uh, we stop digs and make them beat us with somebody else. That's going to be their game plan with Gusecki and Parker. They're going to come out to stop those guys. So this is a big night for Preston Williams, a national TV to really uh, cement himself in Dolphins fandom uh, that's been kind of been questioning his second year as a, as a pro. And, Who's doing uh, that, get- Chris? Nobody's doing that. Preston Williams is not soft. Preston, got you, buddy. Parker, you two, you two guys come join the Chris Cullen uh, presented by Perfect Bill show where I'm the only host and we'll, we'll have a good time, guys. Uh, we'll Probably have to hard- carry him to your side of the street. Anyway, <laughs> oh my God, we'll talk about hard things uh, because we are not soft. Uh, but yeah, Preston Williams has a chance here to really stand out, man. Like seriously, him and like a guy like Breeder or Gaskins can can step up, especially when uh, the defense is leaning towards the Parker and Gusecki side of things. This is where you get those guys involved when they have their second and third string guys or their nickel corner on Preston Williams because they're focusing so hard on Gusecki and Parker where he takes over a game. This is his night to shine, man, under the lights. Uh, we don't we have no excuse on travel. It's four hours down the road. Um, so 
this is a this is a big game here. This is where we change the season around from being like, okay, first overall again or top five to like, hey, we lost to two tough teams the first two weeks with no preseason, but hey, we took care of a team like Jacksonville where we should have coming in on paper. So this is a big game for us. This is actually a much bigger game than I think people are giving you credit for because if we win this game, we obviously go to one and two. And then what happens next week, Chris, the Seattle Seahawks have to fly across the continent to play an early game against the Miami Dolphins. And then after that, you have a very injured San Francisco 49ers team that we have to play. So um, there's a lot that uh, can actually happen after this game here. Uh, last thing I want to talk about with this game, because it is a national game, and I know the coaches are going to tell you it does not matter. It won't affect their reasoning whatsoever. But will Tua see action in this game? Is Tua going to make his debut for the Miami Dolphins on Thursday night, either in a package or does he take over at some point? Your prediction? No. no. He does not. Um, and that's just – obviously, I can't predict the future when it comes to injuries, but no, he does not. Brian Flores is not the type of coach that's going to sit there and go, hey, you know it would be kind of cool is if Tua gets to play on a short week on national TV uh, just to make everybody's balls feel nice. Like, there's no way he's going to do that. Uh, he is not manscaped. He is um, not going to bend from the game plan. And if Chan Gailey's game plan does not involve Tua Tungo-Vailoa, we're not going to see him until uh, – unless, you know, our, our guys uh, randomly stab a needle for Ryan Fitzpatrick's lung before the game. Uh, that's not going to happen. It, and by the way, if you haven't heard that story, that's absolutely absurdly ridiculous with Tyrod Taylor on the Chargers. Holy shit. What a way to find out you're starting with Justin Herbert literally two minutes before the game. You're, you're, the start, you're starting your first game. And he played pretty well, by the way. No, uh, shout out to Justin Herbert on uh, very short moments notice having to be in the starting. But uh, if there's any more room on the Misery Loves Company couch, it's got to be Tarot Taylor, man, because uh, <laughs> if you haven't heard that story, go look it up because uh, that guy's got some bad luck there with the Los Angeles Chargers. And I disagree with you, Chris. I think Tua finds his way into this game somehow, mm-hmm. some way. I think he's in the game. I don't think he's going to sit on the sidelines. I think he's going to somehow, even if it's just for one package, going to be in this game. There's going to be footage of Tua Tungavaloa playing football for the Miami Dolphins week three. That's my, that's my prediction. That's ridiculous. What if he comes in and he throws like five straight, really good looking completions. And then they take him out. Fitzpatrick finishes the game. Like you're setting yourself up for just huge controversy by putting him in the game. And even, which it sounds ridiculous. If you think about it, it's like, Oh, what if he's really good and we're better? We should be striving for that. But I don't know if Brian Flores wants that on his plate. So uh, I, I don't see that at all. I don't see Tua come into the game. I'll tell you what, if he gets into the game and throws five, five completions in a row uh ryan fitzpatrick's not coming back in the game that's my second prediction (laughs) if that were to occur uh because you don't go backwards at that point you just go with tua because at that point you go okay i've seen enough we're going with tua but uh that's my fantasy chris i I think your fantasy is to see tua be the superstar that we all think he can be but until that happens we have to deal with the okayest fantasy league ever um I'm 0-2, and I might be the highest-scoring 0-2 loser if any fantasy football team of all time. I can't believe my dumb luck here. It's just like the draft. I got last in a 14-team league. Uh, I had to pick 14th and 15th overall. I somehow turned that into a very high-scoring losing team there, Chris. It's, uh, it's infuriating. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny looking at the statistics of our fantasy league. Uh, you're kicking ass as far as points scored, but uh, you have as many wins as the Miami Dolphins. It's pretty funny. And I will take this moment to go ahead and mention that I am undefeated in 2-0, by the way. Congratulations. Uh, somehow, some way, you have doubled your win total from last year. I am proud <laughs> of you. Like I said, I, if I can't win, I hope you win because uh, that just makes everything better for you, me, and everyone in the town of Perfectville. But uh, it, 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 I don't know if we could, we should probably post it and shine a light on what one of our 
uh, league owners does every single week. He does power rankings and he does yes. them in such a funny way here, Chris. Um, I have not seen the power rankings from week two, but Raceling, who is a, a friend of this show, he did this all last season. They were hilarious. I can't wait to see what happens here week two. I can't imagine what he's going to say about me and some of the other teams that have lost two in a row here. Um, but I'll somehow figure out a way to share that to a larger audience because it means more. It should be read by more than just 14 people, in my opinion. Yeah, we should probably have like a thing where that's like the new blog. Remember Travis used to do for us and like Kevin yeah. Duran? We just post the power rankings from our fantasy league to keep everybody in uh, in check and then also keep them posted if they care about it. Imagine the ones that like were like the 15th guy that didn't get in the fantasy league and he wanted to get in. He can read the power rankings. And like, oh, it would have been better than that guy. I would have played George Kittle. Like, uh, but the funny thing is, is that we can reach a large audience because as you can see in the video, I have my phone up. Uh, Raceling knew he wouldn't make it in time for his uh, his rankings. Uh, he was doing um, oh, IT, IT tickets is what he said to me. And I, and I made the joke, oh, you're doing IT tickets for the movie? I thought that came out of the theaters already. Oh, dad joke. I know I'll laugh at that. But uh, he actually went ahead and uh, did them for me and you. And uh, I got them here, if you want to hear real quick. Let's hear it. Let's hear what this guy has to say about my bullshit bad luck. Well, we'll start with me. He had me at number two because I'm two and zero. Oh. Last week I was number eight, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous. And I told him I'm going to mention it. I'm going to shit all over it last week. I'm one and zero oh last week. I did well. I uh, had a lot of injuries on my plate with George Kittle, Devontae Parker, and such. And uh, I did a great job of picking Leonard Fournette, even he, he, though he didn't have a team at the time of our our draft. I just felt like he'd be picked up in the right situation. And I've been celebrated for it with being two and zero. Yet he has yet to, uh, you know, give me any kind of props until this week. Flores lava. So I feel it's important for you to know this. I almost put Sam at number two over you. What you might say in your best Hank Hill impression, which I can do. What the hell? God damn it, Bobby. I can do a damn good Hank Hill impression. Well, the fact is he scored more points than you. And what do I always say? Your opponent doesn't matter. It's all about offensive production. Yeah, well, it's only week two, and I'm breaking that rule. I mean, come on. I couldn't put an 0-2 team over it. That's you, Sam. Over a 2-0 team. That's me. That's me, Sam. Uh, for the number two position. There are limits to even my fucked up process, but even about enough about Sam. Let's talk about us. You, I meant you. Let's talk about you. Last week, Kamara and Ryan combined to give you 50 points. This week, Kamara and Ryan gave you 70 points. It's not very balanced, blah, 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 but he did give me props. Um, he did like that Leonard Fournette got me a ton of points on the bench. And he said, hey, look, light a cigar, crack your knuckles. You punted a gerbil and you grumbled. What's next? Why, I bet you don't even look at explosions when you walk away from them. That's what he said about me. So that's nice of you. Thank you, Racelink, for finally being slightly positive. Skip some stuff there, but you'll see. We'll, we'll tweet it. Here's one, Sam, which is great, by the way. Your, your name is, um, is that right? Is it one in the pink, Tua in the stink? That would be correct. That would be my team name this year. <clears throat> Did you know that uh, Tua named teams in our fantasy league are o a combined 0-6? <laughs> that's not a good sign for Tua. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's a great uh, – Great thing at all, uh, omen, so to speak, for Tua. But uh, maybe just he's bad fancy good in real life because that's kind of like how I am. Um, but opposite. So here, here's you. Here's your review, Sam. And, and it's quite lengthy, but I'll try to cut it as best I can because we are doing this live and I am on video. So I'll try to do as best as uh, possible here. Um, <clears throat> Sam, have you ever heard of Roy Cleveland Sullivan? I have not. He was a <laughs> – I can't believe it's a real. I looked it up. It is. He was a park ranger in Virginia – and during the course of his life, he was struck by lightning. Guess how many times? 
40. <laughs> seven times. Oh, that's pretty he good. He was struck by lightning seven times. People were actually afraid to be near him for fear of being struck themselves just by being near him. That's like us talking about the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, that led up to a lonely life, and he ended up committing suicide at the age of 71. Um, <clears throat> yeah, race does not hold back, by the way. Um, <clears throat> have you heard of uh, uh, Tutsmo Yamagachi? I have not. Uh, he was an engineer for the company Mitsubishi back in the day. Uh, he was working in the shipyard, he, and he blew up because a nuke was dropped on Hiroshima two miles away. It ruptured his eardrums and hurled him into a wall, but he survived, luckily. He hid in the bomb shelter for a few days and went to the hospital. The problem was uh, the hospital was two miles away uh, in Nagasaki. Oh, my God. That's bad Yeah, it blew his bandages off, but legend says his testicles grew three sizes that day because he walked out to find his family. Unbelievable. Uh now, despite living on opposite ends of the world, those two men had one thing in common. They weren't as unlucky <laughs> as Sam Marku. <laughs> That's pretty damn good. I, uh, oh. recently, I, this isn't even over yet, and I'm going to give you hats off. Kudos, because that's fantastic. I couldn't stop laughing when I saw this on my lunch break. I swear to God. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Try to, let's, let's be professional here. Hey, uh, hey, Sam, you want to maybe make peace with uh, whichever deity you pissed off from hell? Uh, because you have the second highest point total in the league and two losses. How is that possible? You've played the top scorer two weeks in a row. But it's not just that. Oh, no. It's that you've come so damn close. Last week, you lost by seven, 123 to 130. Respectable. And you're one of the top scorers. Should be fine, right? Wrong, bitch. Much like that bizarre, goofy meme, the league said, I'll fucking do it again, and slapped you with an even more painful loss. You're down by a single point. Picture this. You have the Saints kicker. The Saints get the ball back, losing with a final minute to play, and Drew Brees behind center. You just know some magic's about to happen. They start completing passes left and right, but the clock's quickly running out, Sam. Time management is questionable. Finally, they just crossed in the long-distance field goal range with a single second left. Will they do it? Uh, no, because they're down by two scores. Why in the hell would you kick it here? Fuck you, Sam. Breeze whispers to himself as he hikes the ball for a meaningless final play. A single point away from a win, Sam. A single point you lost by in week two. And you have the most points in the league in your 0-2. I don't have any in-depth analysis or advice for you. None of it would matter. You're going to win or lose on the whim of an unseen force. I do have a theory, though. You'll win when the Dolphins do and lose when the Dolphins do. And if they win on Thursday, you'll win on Sunday. It's got to be tied to that, right? Nothing else explains your record. Uh, fantastic job by wrestling as always. And there's uh, 12 more of those. This guy spends so much time. He just ignores his family to get this done every <laughs> single week. And we love him for it. And he might be right. If the Miami Dolphins win, then maybe I win. So that leads us to the last thing that we have to discuss before we exit and vacate the town of Perfectville here, Chris. And that is your official prediction for Thursday night. Tomorrow night, whenever you're listening to this, it might be tonight. Uh, what is your final prediction? Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jaguars, Thursday night, what do you got? I'm going to be positive here after uh, talking a lot of shit. And um, I'm going to go ahead and go, go on a limb and say that the Miami Dolphins surprise the world and make some national TV people blush with a road victory on a Thursday night 
24-21, last second field goal by Jason Sanders. Well, there you go. 24-21, Miami Dolphins over the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is the Chris Cullen two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer prediction. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm, I'm not as optimistic about the final score, but I am in line with you on the surprise win. I think the Miami Dolphins on the back of a surprise to a performance actually come from behind and win this game 18 to 12 in a battle of field goals. I didn't think we were uh, doing ridiculous predictions anymore. Right? I didn't get the memo. And no, 18 to 12, we're going to have six Jason Sanders field goals to four Gardner Minshew field goals or whoever their kicker is for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 18 to 12, Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jaguars. Miami Dolphins get their first victory of the season as road underdogs on Thursday night in the most boring possible fashion of field goal contest, Chris. That's what I'm predicting. I've said this before on the show, Sam. I've been to a worst game. We won 9-3 to three against the Ravens, <laughs> all field goals, back when they had Ray Lewis and we had Zach Thomas. It was the most – I was there, home game. Ricky Williams had a great game but got stuffed every time we got in the red zone because Dave Wansett forgot how to throw the fucking football. And uh, we're just like, hey, Ricky, just do the whole goddamn thing. And he even kicked a couple of field goals, I think. Uh, Linda Mari slipped on the clay. Boring as hell. I hope you're completely wrong. If not, I'm glad I took off Friday. I can sleep through it. <laughs> well, either way, we have the Miami Dolphins winning. My daughter actually predicted that they would win 31-10. to 10. She's very optimistic about the Ryan Fitzpatrick-led offense of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, speaking of Ricky Williams, Chris, check out Ricky Williams on the Fanatics, Fanatics podcast. Earlier this week, he joined uh, Brian and, and uh, uh, Savox and everyone else there. Uh, you can check that out just as soon as you finish listening and watching us, which we're just about done because there's only one other thing to say, Chris, and that is goodbye from Perfectville. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.